our jobs as gallerists is just to provide the opportunity and the exposure, exposing us as a community and providing exposure for the artists. Hello and welcome to AI Arts In, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I am with Carla Bristol, who is a gallery owner and a community leader in Pinellas County in the St. Pete area. Carla, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I'm sitting here with a good friend. Well, that's 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 my feeling also. So just to kind of set the stage, you recently joined Creative Pinellas as a board member because of your commitment to the arts and the community. Everyone looks at me and says, you're so involved in the community, you know, you should be in politics. I'm not passionate about that. I'm passionate about helping the community. And so my endeavor in the arts was driven by that, was driven by the need to help the community, to provide access to art in a location where there's a drought in a county where we do have an abundance of artists. I get asked all the time, where do you find your artists? And, I, and it's like good fried chicken or good soul food. It doesn't matter if wherever it is, if it's good, you're gonna hear about it and you're gonna find it, right? In three to five years, I know that this area is going to be different and I wanna be a part of it today so that in three to five years, I'm already here. The community is comfortable with the access they now have to art. So kids who might have a long list of felonies that now feel comfortable walking into an art gallery, I mean, that's purpose. That's me doing what I was placed here to do, connect with people. So how does that happen? How does a, a kid walk into your art gallery? That How do they make the decision to walk in? So one of the things I'm known for, as you know, is hugging. And so for the kids in the community, the relationship started with the hugging or the conversations about why, why are you wearing your pants below a line that I find comfortable or appropriate. Having those honest conversations without judgment, but with guidance and direction. So I think then a level of respect is earned. And when I say, oh, we're having an event tonight, come in, get some food, or in the middle of a hot afternoon on 22nd Street, I'm saying, oh, I have punch. Do you guys want, come in and get some punch, or did you eat? Go next door and get this food and I'll give, I'll pay for it. So I think those things, meeting a need and then providing access to something that you think kids should have access to, gives the level of comfort for walking in. Sometimes I just have to go stand at the door and like wave them in. So if you're walking down the street with, and they see my head poke out the door with my hands just calling them over, they know the deal. So I just think mothering, I'm a mother at home, but before I had kids, I was a mother to many kids uh, in New York. So this is just continuing that effort in a very personal way that's gratifying to me. I am richly blessed by the opportunity to engage with youth in our community. So your gallery is located on 22nd Street mm -hmm. in an area called the Deuces. Yep. Since you've been there, you've been there about two, three years? Three years. Since you've been there, you, things really have started to change. I think the first thing you notice today that's still in place is that separation barrier that's there at that underpass. It, it doesn't look inviting, that portion of it. That interstate that was created and cut right through the community and through eminent domain, businesses and homes were lost. 
And um, I don't know that the community ever fully recovered. I think there's an attempt at a renaissance, but I don't think as a city we're doing the best job of directing everyone to what we have now, the African-American Heritage Trail. So here in our city, we have one of the best documented African-American Heritage Trails in the country. I don't hear it being sung about. It should be, a, there should be songs about it uh, all over our media and our city because I meet people coming because of that history. Wow. People from outside of our area comes in and says, wow, you guys have this? Really? You have this amazing garden at the African American History Museum? Really? Wow. And all these musicians performed here. And today when you walk on 22nd and you see the murals, you, you can only be curious. Like why Ella Fitzgerald? Why Louis Armstrong? And you're looking at these murals and then somebody says, oh, they performed here, you know, back in the day everyone who was anyone performed on 22nd Street. I mean, you immediately become engaged in excitement about what was and what could what could still be. So you walked into an, uh, basically an empty storefront. Mm -hmm. Looking across the street at that point was a gated up church, uh, ugly beige paint on a building. So it didn't look attractive. I think I was more thinking about what all it could be. In three to five years, most people are going to have a strong desire to be here. Mm -hmm. I just know it. So you've been collecting for a long time. I have. I have. And when people say, well, you know, how did you get into it? Or what was your first experience? I always say, growing up in Guyana, I remember clotheslines, right, in our mm -hmm. yard. And if you pass by somebody's house, you would see, you know, the, the regular stuff. If you pass by our house, I remember being little and hearing stories of people stealing my mom's sheets. She always had white sheets and they were always hand painted, right? So to me, first memories of art would be those sheets, the white sheets hanging from the um, clothesline and people stealing it because they saw value in and it. And so she painted the sheets? She hand-painted the sheets. She would always hand-paint borders on the sheets and on the pillowcases. And so getting a little older and starting my own collection started with being in Brooklyn and in uh, Park Slopes, going to flea markets. And I remember the conversation with a vendor for a, a watercolor piece. Yeah, I saw it, I liked it. It was very abstract. Not, nothing really to it other than I liked the colors, it looked old, so I wanted to buy it. And she started off with a speech. Oh, it's a watercolor. I, I wouldn't have known the difference. It's a watercolor piece and no one does watercolors anymore. And I'm, I'm inquisitive. Why, well, why not? And oh, it's too difficult move here in 1996. So I'm at Maine, my eyes are wide open and I meet an artist from Savannah, Georgia that's originally from Ghana. And I'm looking at the work and impressive. And I said, well, what's the medium? He's like, it's watercolor. I'm like, watercolor? <laughs> yeah, impossible, it can't be watercolor. Nobody does watercolor anymore. And you can't get this level of detail with, yes, it's watercolor. And then I, that's, when I, that's when the official collecting began. That's when I wanted to have that original. But from that, you know, the, the appreciation grew. Or if I walked into someone's home and I saw a piece of art, and I would say, well, you know, wow, I like this. Who's the artist? 
and then I would start tracking that artist down. Everyone that walks in says, oh, you need a bigger space. And I say, um, there's something about this space. There's right. something about the energy in this space. The first thing that you, you get hit with when you walk in the door is love. And so that would be that hug that's as long or as short as you want it, but really as long as it needs to be for me. Because I'm getting that gift every time you walk in the door. So when you walk in first, I think what's going to catch your eye is color. The walls are disappearing and the art is just coming forward to you because there's so much color. A lot of natural tones. Everything is on casters almost because of all the programming we do. I have to be able to have the space change so we can accommodate people, events. So when I've come to your, your gallery, what I notice is people sort of come in and, and you do greet them with hugs and they introduce themselves to each other. And in, in a very short time, there's a really in-depth conversation about something that's on people's minds with people who may have never met before and, and may never you know see right. each other again or may. But it's social, but very kind of deep. Yeah. Really interesting conversations, and people get drawn into those conversations at your yeah. place. It, it hap- it, I, I'm not sure why that is. So- I think there's something about home. There's something about a space that feels like home. I call it safe walls. So we can talk about anything within the walls, and it's okay to share and talk about however you're feeling. So we've had everything from race relation conversations to politics. The therapy bench, it used to sit by the window. People would come in and sit on the bench and somehow start spilling. Mm -hmm. So how you're going to experience someone at home is very different than how you're going to experience them at a board meeting or at an event. So this is kind of like a layer, take off the layers. It's okay to be yourself. Let's be, nobody's going to judge you. It's okay. Let's kick back and talk. So as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, some of this is Carla Mm. and some of this is the art. What do you think the role of the art is in creating that magic that you're talking about, that Mm -hmm. connection that people have? So I call it sometimes the environment. When I talk to people and they say, oh, I want to do this, but I'm not sure, or I say, you need to, we need to put you in the environment. Come, like, yeah, it's kind of like coming to the well, come into the place. And then once you're in there, surrounded by this art and you're just, for kids, you know, their eyes are everywhere. Um, it's li- interesting listening to their interpretations, finding something that's going to connect to almost everyone that comes into the gallery. So I had kids from Gathering of Women uh, one Saturday. I had put a show up called Left Freedom Ring Artist Tribute to Dr. King. It's a group show. I gave artists canvases. So I purchased the canvases, gave each artist a, a canvas. And all they had to do was paint their tribute to Dr. King. So there were so many different pieces. But having the kids come in and then speak about what each piece meant to them or just listening to them talk about it. So we have everything from Cora Marshall piece that had an older and a younger person to a piece by Melanie T that had, it was like cosmic, it talked about vibrations. So watching kids that young connect to pieces that are that thoughtful. So I said, well, what, is, what does this piece mean to you? What is, what is it saying to you? Oh, that we're still talking about Dr. King today. And so it was a different way to approach even history. 
art has always been an you know integral part of culture and community. And if you listen to my voicemail, it always says art is all around us. You know, you just have to look around. I have to think that a lot of people would have never seen themselves as comfortable in a gallery or mm-hmm. even interested in art. And yet there's story after story of, of people really making some change in their own viewpoint of themselves because they start to look at the artwork in your gallery. That, that is uh, deliberate and by design. It was really important to me from day one that when young people come into the gallery, they feel comfortable. You know, usually you bring a, ch- a child into a gallery and the parent is nervous. And I'm more like, it's fine. Like, if it breaks, I'm, I'm, I got it, it's okay. No, it's all right to let their hands go. That's why there's drums. Let them knock on it, it's fine. And people are not used to that. They're used to a very nervous owner because there's a child in the gallery. And for me, these are all teachable moments. Just a moment to say, no, kind of with art, we, we appreciate it with our eyes, right? So we don't touch. Just look and we could talk about it. So these are all teachable moments because I see them in other art experiences where they will be proud individuals saying, what do you mean? We grew up with, a, with an art gallery right in our neighborhood. I mean, we would hang out there. I remember early on, uh, before I had the, the glass doors. So I placed glass doors to the back of the gallery for two, two important reasons. One is um, when I would point to the, to the direction of the door and say, and the Woodson Museum is right there. It was a, a solid door. You know, right there is beyond the door, but you can't gain perspective. The minute you put the glass door in and I say, oh, it's the, the yellow, the mustard building right there, and I'm pointing, and you could see what I'm pointing at. And that was one. And the other was, when I do intergenerational drumming at the gallery, we'd, the goal is to attract young people. Young people have a certain energy that they want to, um, in order for them to stay somewhere, you know, there has to be something connecting to them. And then I liked uh, more aged and seasoned people, like the grandmothers raising the kids. So we would be out there, and then the kids would be, and interestingly enough, rather than having the kids outside and all the adults inside, I would tell the young people, no, you guys go inside. And because everything is movable, I would just push the walls to the side. And I have videos of them jamming out, you know, singing and bopping their heads. And um, and that makes me, that makes me happy. Because like, for my kids, the original goal was, I want to expose kids in our community to the same level of art that my kids have been exposed to. So that's a, so you don't, you're not at home saying we don't use the fine china. We use it, that's what it's there for. Mm-hmm. So yes, we appreciate it. And I have young people who have purchased their first piece of art. So. So let's talk about some of the artists in your gallery. Mm. Well, we have everything from uh, Cora Marshall, who is, whose work is in the U.S. Embassy in Sudan, who is professor at University of Connecticut, to uh, Charles Axt. He's in his 80s now, but grew up in Harlem, New York, lived in St. Thomas, uh, bachelor's in sculpting, master's in painting. I use him as a good example of uh, how to not um, get discouraged if one aspect of life isn't working out and to take another path, it's okay. 
because when he was no longer able to sculpt because of arthritis, he just started painting. So he, but he still kept doing what he loves to do. To um, an artist I was talking to one of my collectors about yesterday, Brainstorm, um, African-American male. He's a tattoo artist. So as you can imagine, he has lots of tattoos. He has these beautiful locks. And he was going in the art supply store downtown St. Pete, um, getting supplies. And he always secretly felt as if maybe the owners were judging me. Mm. Um, then one day he walks in and they, and they said to him, have you, have you ever met Carla Bristol? Um, he's like, no. And the owner told me, the only reason I told him about you is I could tell he was serious. So the guy was never judging him at all, ever. Uh, but gifted artists, but just needed a place that said, you know, welcome. Mm -hmm. The door is open. Um, everything from that to uh, you have a young man who was put in prison for defacing murals here in St. Petersburg. And I didn't know it was the week he got out of prison that he called me. Mm. And I, I had no idea who he was until we started talking. But this is a space for opportunities. And let me be clear the integrity of the quality of work that's at the gallery is important to me. So not every person who wants an opportunity is really ready for the opportunity. And that could mean that you're, um, you're either the quality of work, so I'm gonna provide direction. I'm gonna help, help you get on the path on how do we get you from where you are now. And I've done that with artists and it's been beneficial when they've listened. In the gallery, there are trained artists and they're artists who are just gifted. It just comes from within them and they create. So there's a good balance of both. Our jobs as gallerists is just to provide the opportunity and the exposure. So exposing us as a community and providing exposure for the artist. Your gallery exists in a space, but you flow outside of that space often. Yes. I know you did a African-American arts festival mm -hmm. over a weekend. Yep. And you have some kind of music or dance or performance almost every, every weekend. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. Well, one of the things I realized early was in order to get people into an area where at that point there wasn't two, three restaurants, it wasn't as much of a destination as I feel it's, it is now and it's going to continue to become was um, I realized I had to have rich programming and programming that ties back to the heritage and culture of what I'm trying to, to do. So it's a black art gallery. I make no apologies for that. It's exactly what it is. I celebrate international artists because that's exactly what I'm about. And so you have that going on. Music was an important part of that area. So we have avant-garde jazz. You know, we do the Second Saturday Art Walk. We've had talks about the art of collecting, the history of African-American art. Uh, we partnered with uh, Nomad Art Bus, a great partner in the community for young people. We've done a community quilt project with Nomad where we stitched the pieces mm. of quilt patches that was done in schools, and we invited kids from the community to come in. We popped up sewing machines in the gallery and did that, but creating the art festival was necessary for me. Being here in Tampa Bay for 20 years and asking myself, um, what's missing? And in Tampa, there is a heritage festival, but it really is centered more around music. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I participated, and it was centered around music, and people were bypassing the art to get to the music. And I just feel the art is a quiet moment with music playing in your head, in other words. So we don't need the distraction per se. So I thought about, what if I, I did a festival? And the initial reaction from everybody is, oh, great. You know, it could be down at Demon's Landing. It could be, um, you know, is it going to be in Vinoy Park? Like, where is it going to be? Mm. And I'm like, it's going to be here in the community. Yeah. And most people are like, are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. But this last festival, when I had an artist from Brazil in particular, I saw him two weeks after he did the festival. And I said, so how's it going? He said, Carla, I loved your festival. I've done other, I did another festival after that. He goes, but I love yours more. And again, I'm an inquisitive person, so it's not going to be enough to just make a statement. You're going to have to qualify the statement. Said, well, why is that? Why, you know, why, why are you saying that? He said, I just love that it was right there in the community. Mm-hmm. That it was where the kids had access to just... So now think about you walking out of your home right. in an area that's uh, not so privileged and having access to something that's free and deliberately put there for you. And you close the streets off. I close the streets off. So yeah, yeah. Pay, pay to have this, make sure the streets are legally closed off and just lines of artists lining the street, uh, drumming. We had free books, Keep St. Pete Lit, donated so many books. I put tables in the street and I encourage just the economics of that area. So I don't bring in food vendors. You're there, that means you're gonna eat at someplace local that's right there on our street. And in talking to those businesses, they said, bar none, hands down, the best day they've had since they've opened. Well, also, you know, the people who attended, a lot of them would not have gone to Vinoy Park right. or, or right. whatever. We, have, we do have um, that challenge in our city. I, I don't know why it is. Preservation Society just, just decided, Carla, how do we get people who aren't coming to our movies downtown to come to the movie? said, I don't know, maybe bring the movie to them. So they did, uh, in the gardens at the Woodson. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was packed. Mm-hmm. So you had this wide cross section of people just relaxing in the gardens with their ch- with their chairs. But now the hope is the next time, now they're aware of it. You came to me, now I'm going to come to you. You can say, well, Carla, you're not from here, but my heart, my heart is in love with this community. I... I definitely value and appreciate all the support that I've gotten. I think when you have lived and put in, right, and when you've put all this kindness into the universe, it should be a given that it's coming back. It may not come back from who you're looking for it to come back from, but it comes back. We're given everything we, we, we're given everything we need. Well, that is a I think an excellent place to finish. Thank you so very much. Oh, thank you. It's been an excellent conversation. I've enjoyed it tremendously. We could sit and talk for hours. I know. I have been talking to Carla Bristol, Gallery 909. It's really quite wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. This is Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, also known as AI, the Creative Pinellas Podcast. Sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners, visit St. Petersburg Clearwater, and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. 
Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.